Easter is uh, my favorite day of the year, um, mostly uh, just because of like like celebrating Holy Week and uh, this week like I've journeyed like with Jesus through the cross like so like so we celebrated Palm Sunday and then you know understanding like him cleansing the temple and understanding some of the prayers that he's prayed this week reading John 17 and and uh, just the things that was on his heart they've been on my heart and uh, and it means so much to me because I understand the love of God more now knowing everything that he did like good friday we came out here and we worshiped some of you guys joined us and um just looking at the cross like recognizing like that that guy he died for me it makes it really personal to me this gospel jesus is not um this guy that lived 2000 years ago uh, I, I i believe he lives today and he's my friend. And so to recognize that he gave his life for me um, while I'm still a bonehead. Like to some of you, I'm like, like pastoral and like I don't do anything wrong. But he knows me. Um, and, um, and it's crazy that he still loves me in despite of that. And so uh, recognizing what he did for me on the cross. And then knowing that hope is still alive. It's, it's weird because I get to know the end of the story, you know. But there are seasons in my life, which is what makes Easter so special to me, that somehow circumstances will lock me in and I'll forget about hope. I'll forget about the power of his resurrection. I'll forget about like the end of the story and that there is no situation that I will find myself in as a believer ever where I am without the reality that the power of God is real and available to me. And so I... This story to me, it does so much, but I, I pray today, like if anything happens, my hope for everyone that's here today is that you would get a glimpse of, the, of his resurrection because that changes everything in our lives. And if it doesn't, like I, I think that we're not getting the gospel. A lot of people worship a lot of gods, and a lot of people do religion. Ah, we're going to get there. Oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. Hey, uh, you know what? <laughs> Would you all stand to your feet with me? <laughs> it's good. <laughs> Today's my birthday, man. I got, I got saved 22 years ago today. And, uh, and I pray that there's some here today that like recognize for the first time that Jesus uh, died for you. But more importantly, he lives for you and with you. And that's the beauty of this story. Hey, uh, we've been doing the last words of Jesus, and I want to read you my favorite. We're going to go to John chapter 19, and it would say this. Jesus knew, this is him on the cross, Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill the scripture, he said, I am thirsty. And a jar of sour wine was sitting there, and so they soaked a sponge in it and put it on a hyssop branch. They held it to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Let's pray. Jesus, help. Amen. Amen. You guys have a seat. Hey, um, so uh, last words, man. Last words are a big deal. 
uh, I think when I think about the seven things that Jesus uh, was recorded that he said on the cross, he cared about his mom. Woman, behold your new son. Son, behold your new, your new mom, you know. Uh, he said, I thirst. Of course he would. I mean, they drained him of all of the blood in his body. He said, um, into your hands I commit my spirit. He said, uh, Father, forgive them. Oh, man, that's just the... I mean, he was still teaching us how to love people. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Probably just the most devastating to me is uh, when Jesus cried out and he said, Father, why have you forsaken me? I know now why. The Father turned his back on Jesus. It's me. It's my fault. I'm so thankful for the love of God. When I read the words, it is finished everything like jumps out at me like so many things it, it to me it's like the boldest statement in anything that matters if you've ever done anything intentionally that you had to think about for long periods of time i think about a marathon runner when they cross that line it's like man i accomplished it i think of uh michelangelo uh painting the 16th chapel you know what how the, the, the kink in his neck that he must have had after, after uh, four years of painting. I mean, come on, it is finished for crying out loud. You know, like, uh, no, I'm just kidding. But I mean, like, you know, to, to really think of like, man, it's done. You know, I think of like an athlete, like uh, someone like a Peyton Manning that would have prepared their whole life for the hope to be able to hoist that thing up and go, I, 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 I fought for this moment right here. Makes me think of what Jesus did. It is finished. Except I don't know if any of those things fully hold the candle to what was really happening when Jesus was uttering that on the cross. He, he lived for 33 years for that moment. Um, and I think that he lived his life for the point of his death. I think we're just the opposite of people. We, we live to skate that moment. But it will be the greatest moment in our lives the moment that we transition from this life into that one and we stand before God. I want you to know it's, it's so funny. There's a lot of different ideas of God and a lot of different th theologies and a lot of different belief systems. But one thing I have found is even atheists tremble at the reality of this understanding. My wife always quotes this heart that God put eternity in our hearts it's like it's, it's, it's designed in you to recognize the moment that you're going to meet your maker. It looks different in each of our hearts, but it's a oh my moment. And it really makes you kind of more human. Jesus said it is finished. He lived for that moment. But I want you to know that in the book of Revelations, the scripture says that the lamb was actually slain before the foundations of the earth were made. He didn't live for 33 years for that moment. It is finished. No, no, he, he, the father knew, he knew before, the, before light was created, before the, the waters were pushed back and the lands were created and birds and air and all the other things, he knew that he was going to have to come. Why? Because of sin. And I, I, I think that this word is so important, especially to be stated in the church, because culturally, this, world does, this word doesn't exist today. Sin. Wrong. You know, like what God thinks is wrong. I think all of us have decided in our heart what we think is right. 
but it's important you're not God. I think of that movie, Rudy. I don't know if you guys ever seen it. There's like this cool conversation with this priest, you know? This guy sits, this priest sits down with this kid and he's like, I've learned two things in life. There is a God and I'm not him. That's a good place to start in life. But for some reason, we like think that we have the authority to define what is good. No, holiness is real. Like I, I think that we... When we do wrong, we feel bad sometimes. Like sometimes we'll apologize to God or like sin is awful. It's actually the destruction of earth. It's the reason why we will all die. Do you, do you realize that? It, Romans uh, chapter five, he says this, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam sinned brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone had sinned. The reason why Jesus had to die was because of me. When he said it is finished, I think what God was doing was really trying to take the punishment off of me. I think it was also a message to the devil that never again will you accuse him because I paid the price. It is finished. It is done. I think also what Jesus was, was saying when he said, it is finished, I'm sorry, I'm imagining a lot, but I'm thinking about all the seasons of my life and the different phases I've been in with God. Like all the times where I've still tried to earn God's love. And he said, no, 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 no. It's finished, son. You ain't never got to do anything to get my love. I paid for it. I love you as you are. You can't earn my affection. But I try. Grace is such a frustrating thing to me to be loved without doing anything to deserve it. It's weird that God loves us. He just loves us. But Jesus is on the cross and he cries out, it is finished. And then he gave up his, holy, he gave up his spirit. In that moment, kind of cool, you guys are getting the best stuff here. The scripture says he gave up his spirit, but you know what's really fascinating is in Jewish stuff, 2,000 years before, there was a temple, and there was this place called the Holy of Holies. It was the only place where the actual presence of God dwelt on earth, right? And it was a veil, super duper duper thick, and like all these priestly things had to happen in order for a priest to stand in the presence of God. Jesus said it is finished and he gave up his spirit. You know what happened was the veil was torn and that place where the presence of God existed now was released because he paid it all and now we have access to the Lord. It is finished. Uh, what's weird though is in our moments of our life, this thing called Easter, Resurrection Sunday, it doesn't, I, I don't know, I'm praying today that you and I, for real, would get a revelation, like a real one, of what the resurrection means. Because this is not a cute story. This is not something we share with our kids as like a, like th there, it changes everything. Why? 
I, I even think of the disciples. Like they knew who he was and they saw his miracles. So let's just start there for a second. They knew who he was, right? They saw him defend the, 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 the woman caught in adultery. Love that. I love that Jesus defends you when you aren't worthy to be defended. Uh, they saw Jesus take the food and multiply it on the mountainside when he took the two fish and the five loaves and lifted it up to God and multiplied it. And then it just started passing it out. I feel like in my life, I've gotten the privilege of seeing God. Anyone ever had God provide for you when like you, you, there, you didn't, you could not afford what you got just the provision of God. Like I've seen it like to be there. It's awesome. He's alive. Uh, to, to, to see blind eyes open. Like the, what, how cool was it when the, the lady who couldn't see for years and Jesus put the mud in her eye, like put mud in her eyes. Like that's so weird, you know? And then she's like, I can, I can see trees. Like people like trees. And like, no, he's like, oh, we're gonna pray again. We're all on, they're not trees. And, I, and then all of a sudden, like her eyes are like, she can see. I feel like the scales fell off my eyes the first time that I recognized actually who was God. Because my life was about me. I was, unfortunately, I was God. I, I don't mean to say it like that, Lord, but like I was sitting on the biggest, I was the most important narrative in my life until I realized who was actually awesome. Anyways, um, I, I, my favorite story, I don't, I'm telling you all these stories about Jesus because it's the stuff the disciples saw who were terrified when he died. But they saw all these things. My, I think my favorite now, I don't know, this last year, it's been the story of the guy with leprosy. Can you imagine? You're not allowed to have human contact of any kind. And when people know you're around, they have to announce it to everyone that don't be careful, don't, don't touch that guy. Like we're back in COVID again, you know? <laughs> Who wants to do that? Except like, don't go near him. And the, the guy... Jesus like brings him over and embraces him. And I think, I'll bet you that guy hugged Jesus like he had never like, like dude, Jesus probably like, get off me. All right, dude, I get it, you know? Like, no, 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 Jesus. I, and, and the scales like that would fall from, with the leprosy off his body to be healed. That's what Jesus was. That's what the disciples knew. Yet when he was crucified, they were terrified. Luke chapter 24, verse 6, the scripture says, he is risen just like he said. And I think fewer, like greater words have never been uttered on the face of the planet. And I, I pray that those words like actually really sink in to your soul, like into your spirit. Because if we got a revelation, it would change the way we think about every circumstance that we're up against. Because we see things, unfortunately, as if the way out is our finances or our provision or our wisdom or our good deeds or our, like, we're stuck. And I don't know why we come back around to that place. He is who he said he is. And he is risen and he gets to the disciples and the coolest thing, I mean, I love it. He like, they, they, he's standing there and they're like, um, whoa, that really can't be you. And it really blows my mind too. Think about it. It wasn't like when Jesus is dead and in the tomb. I, I, I get the image that like, if it's today, 
he didn't have like 25 nurses and eight doctors like all coming in and like more oxygen, you know, and like IVs and blood transfusions and the shock, boom, clear, boom, you know, like, like they, no, it was just straight the Holy Spirit that raised him up. Nothing, like he's dead in the tomb and that stone gets rolled away and the disciples see him and they go, Wow. We don't know nothing about him wobbling or barely able to walk or using crutches or a cane. Just walks up to him and they go, hey, um, can, I, can, I put, can I touch you? And what you need to know is that the reality of them being able to put their finger in his hand and in his side shook even Thomas so much that secular writings today, historic writings tell us that those disciples became filled with such passion after seeing Jesus crucified. They would go to the ends of the earth, risking their life, knowing Peter just got crucified. Andrew just got beheaded. Eventually, you get the memo, like, stop talking about this guy. No, I can't, because I put my finger in his, in his side. I, I, he's, he, why is it significant that we say he is risen? Church, because it's never happened ever, ever before. And it will never, ever happen again. He is risen. This is unreal. We got to talk about it. This changes everything. He is the champion of champions. He is the only one worthy to be crowned. Not a football team, but we'll lift our voices. Not sports, not a car, not a new pair of shoes, nothing. He alone is worthy. And we'll sing about it for generations and generations and generations and generations. Because there's simply no one else that's ever been dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. And I hold the keys. I hold the keys to your greatest fear. I hold the keys to the death of your son or your parents or your significant other or yourself. And I'm the one that will walk with you on the other side. Why is it important that he is risen? I, I, I got to tell you, I, like the Holy, I feel like the Holy Spirit's on me right now. So I got to get a little excited right now. Sorry. Think about this, church. He is either God or he's not. He's either dead or he's alive. There are a lot of religions today that when you pray to them, you don't hear nothing back. There's a lot of versions of Christianity that are designed this way. You have to go through a priest. And I want you to understand that it's wonderful that saints gather together. But what I love is that when you guys aren't here for me, I still got someone I can talk to. Because he's alive. And he designed to be with you. He said that I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. Why? Because he is who he said he is, and he does what he says he will do, and he is risen. And I think this changes everything. It's awesome that Jesus died for you. It's glorious that he lives for you. And it's glorious, and what I mean by that, he lives for you. Like, I'm not trying to make a cool tagline, 
But what I want you to understand is like that he lives with you, despite you. He's, you can't get rid of him. The Bible, like I know this to be true. In my disobedience, he's there. It's like he's staring at me. <laughs> David said it this way. The, the King David, the psalmist, the lover, the man after God's own heart, he said, even if I make my bed in hell, God, you're still there with me. Because he loves you. You know what I know that I know that I know? It doesn't matter where you are with Jesus right now. I know you're walking with God. Not because of you. Because of him. And I remember now looking back when I, when I, when I was a heathen doing stupid stuff. Running, didn't even know that God existed. And he was chasing me down. I can remember now the moments where he was trying to call my name, trying to tell me that I had a plan, that, that he had a plan for my life, and that he had a purpose, and that my life mattered. I know now that I was the main event in my life, and I was living just so shallow. And if I would just lift my eyes, man, I could see it all. He is risen. He's not dead. And he's talking to you today. Three cool verses I want to read to you just real quick and we'll, we'll call it quits. One, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Let me read it to you. It's found in um, John 11, verse 25 through 26. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And anyone, anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me believes in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? We live in a culture where there are many, where people believe there are many ways to God. And I think what's dangerous is when we say these kinds of things, we assume that we know what he wants without even actually having relationship with him. So we just imply that we're all doing good. Everyone's doing good. Until cuz cuz I'm doing good because I'm not I'm not as bad as that person. And the problem is with this kind of mentality is you you're just trying to do enough good in your own life to tip the scales. Like if you could be a 51% good person, then you can tip the scales and be good enough for God there's no one good. There's no one righteous. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We need Jesus. He is the resurrection and the life. And the only, watch this, John 14, 6, the name of the church is the way. Because I realize everyone thinks that they've got the path to God. I don't. He does. Don't follow me. Follow Jesus, y'all. Like, follow Jesus, get in your word, read your Bible. Don't, you can get lost just following a church. Maybe that was better for the last service. But I think it's, it's important that you know he's trying to have relationship with you. Now, the beauty is when you're amongst other believers, you can see things more clearly than you can just with your own perspective. But John 14, 6 says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one will come to the Father but through me. That's kind of terrifying. 
Meaning all of the good things that you think you're doing ain't going to get you to where only I can take you. That tells me any other vehicle you're driving in to get, into Je- to get, get to the Father is the wrong one. Amen. You got to get on the Jesus bus. And I would close with this verse. And it's my favorite because looking back, I can hear it all so clearly. I, I think I went to five I told you I got saved. I gave my life to Jesus on Easter Sunday. And I'll never forget how the power of God hit me. Like, I just knew that pastor was talking to me. He wasn't. The Holy Spirit was. And um, it had taken me like four weeks to be brave enough to admit that I needed what that guy was talking about. But that Easter Sunday, I could not get away from it. The scripture in Revelation says this, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Now this scripture comes from after his death. It comes like after his resurrection. Jesus is saying, behold, I'm standing at the door of your heart and I'm knocking. And if you will open the door, then I will come in. Friends, with every fiber of my being, I want you to know I believe Jesus is alive. Here's what I want you to know. I have seen miracles, signs, and wonders. I'm not just reading about them. I've seen God heal people. I've seen God touch people. I've seen people restored, people forgiven. One of the most beautiful things that I've ever seen in my life is grown men weeping in the altar because they're being forgiven of all of their shame. And it's like years of their life is coming off in a moment. All the hurt, all the baggage, and it's just washed away complete miracle. But knowing that the things that he did, he is 100% today still doing, is why I can tell you that he is risen. And he's not, these aren't stories. They're happening. He is here right now. And he's knocking on the door of your heart. This is not religion. This is your God that you were created to be in relationship with. He made you. You're not an accident. You were created for him, by him, for his purpose. And he loves you and delights in you. And your life will always feel like you're coming up short until you return to him. And you're always going to feel like you're going to run into someone else who's a believer and they're just going to remind you again that God loves you because you're never going to get away from the reality that he loves you. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And anyone who opens that door, I'll come in and I'll eat with him. And he with me. 